God's people with your host, Dennis Beard. Where is the church now in Bible prophecy? Are we waiting for the imminent return of Jesus? He can come any moment. Or is there more to be done? A third of the prophecy written in the Bible, in the Word of God, has still yet to be fulfilled in the latter reign of the Holy Ghost, that there will be a great new thing done. And we know it's a new thing because it's something that's never, ever been done before, not even in Pentecost. And it's a radical change, and it's never happened. What is this radical change? What is the season that we're in that God is doing that and preparing for it now? What is the great thing that God will do? Well, we're seeing it's the last great reign of his strength. It is the latter reign of the Holy Ghost. In Acts, the second chapter, that was the former reign, moderately. But now he's going to cause to come down the reign, the former and the latter, in the first month. It's the last great reign of his strength. When he said, ask if you reign in the time of the latter reign, so will the Lord make bright clouds and four showers every one that's grass in the field. But then Amos 7 tells us this is a latter growth, the growth of the kingdom of God after the king's mowings. The king is going to do some mowings. Yes, all flesh is grass, and he will mow the grass, and it will separate the righteous from the wicked, the holy from the profane, from those that serve God versus those that do not serve God. We will know on that day. What day are we living in? What time? What season? Well, there are three basic seasons in the Word of God in Leviticus 23, which are the seasons of God where all men will go up to the place where God has placed his name in the Old Testament three times a year. And that will be in the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. During these three seasons, there are seven feasts. The Feast of the Lord of Moab, the divine appointments of God with man. It's God's calendar. It's God's timeline. And it's given to us to know the times and the seasons, as stated by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. Now, no man knows the day or the hour, but it's given to us to know the times and the seasons. And those that follow and know the Lord, Psalm 89, 15, Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound, that joyful sound of the feast of the Lord. For they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. The light of thy countenance, yes, because we have to walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another, blood flow within the body of Christ, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We have to be in present truth for that blood flow to happen, which is within the body of Christ through the blood flow of the word of God in present truth. Now, what does that mean to us now? What is the present truth? Well, many tells us that there is an imminent return of Jesus. He could come any moment that all things have been fulfilled. But that's contradictory to the word of God. He states, that there will be a new thing, a woman will compass a man. And the new thing that God will do is a profound 
radical change from the former season. Just as it was a radical change from the law to Jesus. Radical change. To the point that the 70 that Jesus called left Jesus and would follow him no more because of these radical changes that Jesus said, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. They said, this is a hard saying. It's directly opposite than what they had been taught under the law of Moses. But now this is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And Jesus was speaking of spiritual things that we must do in eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. Radical change now from that first season. Now, the first season is Passover. In Leviticus 23, it gives us that. On the 14th day of the first month shall be a beginning of months to you. It is the beginning of the religious year. The civil year was in in that first month, which was Tishri. But now the seventh month will be the first month of the religious year. On the 14th day of Abib, Nisan, you shall take a lamb of the first year and keep it up four days without spot, without blemish, and then slay it. Take the blood and put it upon the lentils and the doorposts of the house. And the Lord says, when I come through, I will pass over you and your firstborn will not die. But anyone that does not have the blood applied to the door, the doorpost and the lentils, will be killed. Well, that's exactly what happened in Egypt. As coming up out of the world, there was the Passover lamb, and Jesus is our Passover lamb. Therefore, on the exact time of that Passover, according to God's calendar, Jesus, our perfect, spotless, blameless lamb of God, was kept up four days before Caiaphas, Pilate, and Herod, and then crucified on the day of preparation, When they slayed the lamb, Jesus was there with his hands and feet nailed to the cross, shedding his holy, righteous, innocent blood. And there, in that day, he is our Passover lamb, sacrificed for us. There he then was buried. Well, we go back to the Leviticus 23 feast, and after the feast of Passover, that would be the death of the Lord Jesus, that there was a feast of unleavened bread. Unleavened because you took a wave sheaf with no leaven and waved it before the Lord. No sin. Sinless, spotless, blameless. Well, Jesus, after he died, was buried. And we see in Romans 1, verse 3 and 4, that he's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead to prove that he is the spotless, blameless, sinless Lamb of God and declared to be so by the resurrection. So there's the death, Passover, unleavened bread there in the burial that he is uh, declared to be the spotless, blameless, sinless Lamb of God. And then the Feast of first fruits. He will resurrect from the dead. He'll be the first begotten from the dead that he'll have the preeminence in all things. He'll be the first fruits. Well, there's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in the Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits.
That has happened already historically given to us in the account of the Gospels, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That fulfilled the first three feasts of the Lord. Then Jesus, after his resurrection, was seen alive after his passion with many for 40 days. And as many as 500 brothers had seen him at one time. But then it said, Now wait for the promise, which you've heard of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, that you shall receive power not many days hence. Well, they thought at that time that Jesus possibly was going to restore the kingdom to Israel, fulfilling Genesis 12, that all nations of the earth would be blessed in Israel. But Jesus, when he was asked that, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom again to Israel? Jesus said, it's not given for you to know the times and the seasons that God has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, that was 40 days after first fruits, after the resurrection. So all we had to do is count. That's 40 days and seven sevens are 49 days. And on the morrow, 50, Pentecost, 50 days after first fruits shall be a waving of sheaves with leaven. And that is Shabbat, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost. Well, that has historically happened also. We have the account of that in Acts, the second chapter. They were in one mind and one accord in the upper room. And there's about 120 that were in there, just as there were 120 trumpets of the, of the best trumpets in Solomon's temple, along with the other 4,000. But there was 120 trumpets in that upper room. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was one of them. And suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind from heaven and filled all the room where they were sitting. Cloven tongues of fire appeared and sat on each one of them. Now that is the fire of God, the Holy Ghost. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Notice the cloven tongues of fire appeared and sat on each one of them. But there's coming a time now when he makes his angel spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire, not just cloven tongues of fire sitting on them, but fire and the Holy One over them for a flame. And this is a profound radical change greater than Pentecost, than Acts 2, verse 4. And it was given by Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom of heaven, how to enter in. Men and brethren, what must we do? Peter told the ones gathered there what would be the birth of born again of the fruit, that's fruit of the spirit, born again of the born of water and of the spirit. He mentioned how John 3 that Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus asked, well, how is a man that is old enter the second time to his mother's womb? And Jesus said, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said, you, you must be born again. 
For except a man be born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Well, Peter had the keys to the kingdom. It was given to him in Matthew 16. He had that revelation of the rock, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And whatever he bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever he loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Having the keys to the kingdom, they said, Men and brethren, what must we do on the day of Pentecost? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit, for the promises unto you, your children, to many that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. So not just repentance. That is the first feast of the Lord. Simply repenting. But there's six more feasts that must be uh, uh, literally obtained before this Lord's second coming in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Or the ones dying in faith, having never received that promise, will by them some better thing being given to us that they without us shall not be made perfect. The body of Christ will be perfected before the second coming of Jesus. For he's going to present to himself a glorious church without spot or without blemish, perfect in all her ways, the bride that had made herself ready. And he has given a fivefold ministry to do that. For he's given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Fulfilling Jesus' word in Matthew 5, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's a commandment, not a suggestion. And there, for the perfecting of the saints, he gave a fivefold. For the work of the ministry, there's a ministry coming that will publish Jesus, proclamate Jesus, preach the kingdom of God to all the world for a witness in all nations, and then the end will come. He that endureth in the end, the saints shall be saved. That hasn't happened yet. And this new thing that God is doing, we must make sure that we have obtained and partaking of each feast of the Lord. Otherwise, we will not be able to enter in. So repentance alone won't do it. That's the feast of Passover. Repent. But then, and be baptized. That's born of water. For the remission of your sins. Have your sins remitted only by baptism. Through that baptism, which is the operation of, faith in the operation of God, that it is a spiritual circumcision of hands made made with that circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. There's only one way to do that, and that's by baptism, washing away your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. Not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father's not a name, Son's not a name, Holy Ghost. The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. Now, that's born of the water. And you shall see the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. Now, when a person has repented, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, gone under the water, buried with him at baptism, raised in the newness of life, the body of the sins of the flesh are destroyed by baptism, by water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. You have that in Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, 10 through 12. Then you are a new creature. You're raised in the newness of life. Why are you a new creature? Because the body of the sins of the flesh that you have 
have been destroyed. Destroyed from the east, buried in the sea of forgetfulness, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. But then, you go to the second season. That is Acts, the second chapter. But he's telling you how to get into it. How do you enter into the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits? Well, Feast of Passover, repent. Uh, how how's to get into the Feast of Unleavened Bread? And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Born of the water. You're raised in the newness of life, a new creature. Is that all? No. Then you go to that second feast, which that second season, I'm sorry, which is Pentecost, Shabbat. And that's the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that is where you had the two wave sheaves in Leviticus 23, waved before God with leaven, because all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Howbeit, by repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, having the body and the sins of the flesh destroyed, becoming a new creature, then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the outward evidence of speaking in other tongues. Acts 2, verse 4. Acts 2, 38. There. If you have done those four feasts, you have partaking of the Feast of Passover, repentance. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, baptism. Feast of first fruits. you were raised out of the water. Second season, fourth feast. You receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Is there more? Of course there is. There's three more feasts. Don't let anybody tell you that there's not three more feasts of the Lord. And that's what we're addressing here and focusing on the third season, tabernacles. And in tabernacles, there are three feasts. It's a new thing. It's a radical change from Pentecost. It's a radical change from the Feast of Shabbat. It's a radical change from the Feast of Weeks. And that is, those three feasts are the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. That in the Feast of Trumpets. Now, as we look in the Old Testament, which is a shadow of things to come, we see that in Numbers 10, it's going to tell us that you will make two silver trumpets. And I'm reading there in uh, Numbers 10, and it will tell us what these trumpets are. Not the shofar. These are two silver trumpets that will be flared at the end of the trumpets. And the Lord spake to Moses, and this will have a type and shadow for us in prophecy that we will know these things that are coming upon the earth to try the earth. Oh, earth, 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 hear ye the word of the Lord. And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. Now, in the Feast of Trumpets, we need to know what the trumpets are, how they're used, and what for. In the Feast of Trumpets, we blow the shofar. But during the time of journeys, the new moons, all the feast days, all the sacrifices, we have two silver trumpets. And they will be a whole piece, one. The body of Christ has to be one mind, one accord, for it will give a certain sound. It will not be a cornet, flute, harp, 
sackbolt, psaltery, or dulcimer. It will be the clarion trumpet you find in the feast of all the Babylon in Daniel 3, verse 5, 10, and 15. There are six instruments there, mentioned three times, six, 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 in verse 5, 10, and 15. But they are not the trumpet. Neither of them have the trumpet. Only the people of God have that trumpet voice of God as an oracle for the Lord God Almighty. And there, where many will try to emulate it. It'll be an echo of it, but it will not be the truth. First will be a cornet. Well, it's close to a trumpet, but it can't hit the high piercing sounds of that clarion call of the trumpet. How long will you make me hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war? We're in warfare. And Paul said, I've kept the faith. I've fought a good fight. There's a fight going on. It's a good fight of faith. It's warfare. And as a, as a good soldier, you endure, you endure hardship as a good soldier because this is warfare. And no man goeth to war at his own wages. For the Lord sends you and the Lord enables you to go. And this is warfare. And here we find that the chauffeur is going to be blown on the Feast of Trumpets, that Feast of the Lord. And on the, on the Jubilee, the 50th year of Jubilee. But also included in that, in the Feast of Trumpets, in the Trumpets of God, you have two silver trumpets. We'll get to the chauffeur in just a minute. The two silver trumpets, they are one whole piece. In other words, there's only one distinct sound coming out. And you make them for the calling of the assembly. And for the journeying of the camps, everything you do in your life, your walk and your conversation in the Lord God is sounded and heralded by a trumpet. It's the leading of the Holy Ghost and speaking uh, the oracles of God. If any man speak, let him speak the oracles of God. And when you blow with them, now the assemblies, all the assemblies shall assemble themselves at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to you, Moses. Now, somebody said, well, what does that have to do with us? Well, remember on the Mount of Transfiguration that we have Jesus taken up with him, Peter, James, and John, and a mountain apart, and he's transfigured before them. And they see his glory, his majesty, his dignity. His face shone as it were the sun. There's a woman clothed with the sun. And all his garments were glistening all the way down to the feet. We find the woman the moon and under her feet upon a head of crown of 12 stars. We find that that is the Lord in his glory. Not the, the suffering Messiah, but transfigured where they see his true essence, his true majesty of who he is. The essence is he's God. And they see that on the Mount of Transfiguration. Even Peter in his epistle said, we saw his majesty. That his face shone as it were the sun in brightness. And his, his garments were glistening all the way down to the feet. But there appeared also, there before Peter, James, and John, Moses and Elijah. And somebody said, well, why would that be? Because it's going to have a prophetic significance in the two witnesses that we're going to read about in the new thing God's doing in Revelation 11. 
the two witnesses. Not just two men. And we're going to see who the two witnesses are in those Feast of Trumpets. And this is the alarm of war. And there is Moses and Elijah and Malachi 4. Remember my servant Moses. Behold, I send you Elijah. There's the two. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord come, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Well, now we need to know who are the fathers, who are the children. We find that in John's epistle, 1 John 2, 12 through 14. He states that first level is babies. They're unskillful in the word of righteousness. They desire the sincere muck of the word they may grow thereby. Then he addresses the next level of growth, children, little children. I'll write on you little children because you've known the Father and your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Well, it's truly, they were newborn babes. They're born of the water and the spirit because their sins were forgiven. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost. For the remission of their sins, they are newborn babes. But we grow. Don't stay there. Because the newborn babes are unskillful in the word of righteousness, Hebrews 5. Because it states there, Paul talking to the church, I have things hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing, speaking about Melchizedek, the king priesthood of which we, the body of Christ, are called for. He said, when you ought to be teachers, you have need again to be taught again the first principles of the oracles of God, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. For you are babies, which are unskillful in the word of righteousness. You don't understand the growth to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and to a perfect man and to perfection. You are a baby. You can't hear it. That's the reason it's hard to be uttered. You're dull of hearing. You don't have spiritual ears to hear. But he said, those that are weaned from the milk and are full age, they have their senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil. These are the fathers. Now, charity is the final growth, adding to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge. Now, people perish for lack of knowledge. Virtue is you stay true to the Lord God. You do not. Turn to the right hand or left. You stay virtuous to the Lord. You have virtue. You add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge. Our people perish for lack of knowledge. But then you add to knowledge, temperance. All that live godly in Christ Jesus there and strive for the mastery must be temperance, self-controlled in all things. Temperance. But then you add to your temperance, patience. That after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience that you may receive a full reward, but let patience have a perfect work. And still there's another step, add to your patience, godliness. Godliness is the godlike, a little G-O-D-L-I-N-E-S-S. Godliness is that god life, not because of anything we've done, because we've reached that level that Christ is leading every person born into that kingdom They've grown into the thing where they have tribulation, have worked patience. Patience has worked experience, and experience has worked hope. And hope makes it not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. They're walking in the light as he's in the light. 
and these are the ones that are in the God life. And there's a mystery of godliness, 1 Timothy 3.16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, the God life. For God was manifest in the flesh. It's all because of what he did, not us, but what he did. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. Scene of angels. Preaching to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Well, that gives us the God life for Christ now. He has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, verse 6. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the God life. Though you add to your patience godliness, the God life making sure we're walking in the light as he's in the light. But then it will add to that godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is let brotherly love continue. And in one mind and one accord, it's preferring your brother above yourself. It's condescending the men of low estate, provoking your brother unto good works, seeking not your own, but that which is another's, doing everything to edify the body of Christ. And then add to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, charity is not love. Charity is the love for God based in doing his will. There's a difference in love and charity. Charity works by love. Faith works by love. But charity works by love. And that because you love God, you keep his commandments. Charity is the love for God based in doing his will working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that worketh in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. We must do the will of God. That surety is the final bond, the guarantee of perfectness, that you're going to be perfected. That's the reason charity will cover a multitude of sins. And charity is the bond, guarantee of perfectness. If you have a job and they want you to uh, guarantee you're going to fulfill that job, they may require a bond, a, an insurance agreement, and a bond that if you do not complete the job, it will be completed. It's a bond. It's a guarantee. So that bond of perfectness for each individual believer to come into perfection is charity. And it's not automatic. It's built in the character in obedience unto righteousness. The righteousness not of our own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. That you have added to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, finally, charity, which is the bond of perfection that you have overcome and that you will be used of God in the perfecting of the body of Christ. He gave a fivefold. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, the work of the ministry will be done by these saints of God that have come to perfection, that are fully grown. And those will be the only ones sealed to carry out his work. They're not only the call, they are the chosen. And not only are they chosen, they are the faithful, the call chosen and faithful that God can trust and seal them with the authority, sealed with the Holy Ghost, that after you have received the word of God, it's through the word. And that's the reason why 
that we're going to focus on, that final sealing of God and the Feast of Trumpets and what it means to be an overcomer and seal with the Holy Ghost, with the Word of God, in their foreheads with the mind of Christ in the apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7. So as we take a look at it, in the Feast of Trumpets, in these silver trumpets, we find that they are for the gathering of the assembly. To gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus has been the mystery of God's will before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1. Not only that, but the body of Christ must be in one mind, one accord, speaking the same thing, that is the same, walking in the same light as he's in the light, in that faith. And it says there that this, the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day when we are perfected. Well, the light shines more and more. Pro- progressive faith, faith from, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the trumpets are for the gathering. The gathering in one, one piece, it's got a single tone. It's a clarion trumpet that we know the sound of it. It pierces the heart. It's the voice of God leading in the Holy Ghost. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. They will be the ones used. And only those will be used. Now, with that case, that man mind, the silver trumpets, as we see in um, Numbers 10, are for the calling of that congregation. To Moses. Why Moses? Because Moses, we find that Jesus did only redemption miracles. Moses did judgment miracles. He destroyed God through him, destroyed all the gods of Egypt, and delivered all of Israel from the Egyptian bondage by one man, Moses. Then, he said, Elijah in, the, in Malachi 4. Elijah, yes, Elijah because he is a restoration prophet. He did kingdom miracles. Jesus did redemption miracles showing that he is God, the resurrection and the life. Moses did judgment miracles showing that the judgment of God on and manifest, destroying all the gods of Egypt and the deliverance. Then we have Elijah doing kingdom miracles and that in restoration. Now we know that in this timeline that Acts 3.21 tells us that the heavens must receive Jesus. He must be there until the times of the restoration or restitution of all things. Now somebody says, well, what is all things? Well, faith is the substance of Things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Well, what is all things? All things is all truth and faith. The Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us into all things, all truth. And anyone that says it's not, and will only understand it in the sweet by and by, has, has literally breached the Word of God. Because the Holy Ghost's job is to get us unto perfection and the faith that was once delivered to the saints and knowing all truth, all things of faith, the faith that was once delivered to the saints, which we are to be earnestly contending for. And that faith is delivered to us in the revelation of Jesus Christ. For it says in 1 Peter 1 that the grace 
of the Lord Jesus comes to us. Grace comes to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we grow in grace. The greater the revelation we have of the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom much is given, much is required, and grace we go grow in that grace and favor of the Lord. With that said, there is gathering unto Moses at that door of the congregation. Why? Because it is a profound, radical truth that these in the body of Christ will work judgment miracles, not judgment given to the saints of God where they're literally ruling and reigning over the angels at that time with the Lord Jesus Christ as a fellow heir with the Lord Jesus. But they are, through the Holy Ghost, they have power to retain sins and power to remit remit sins as often as they will. We find it in Revelation 11. And that is uh, that Jesus was the one doing the works there of redemption, showing that he is a resurrection of the life. He healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, cast out devils, open blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, the lame walk, and captive went free. Blessed is he whom serves not offended in me, Jesus said. Now we look at Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three booths, three sukkahs, three tabernacles. Not Pentecost, but tabernacles. And, but he wist not what he said. He did not know why he was saying it. And what lets us know whenever they woke, Peter, James, and John, they saw Jesus only. Why? Because it was not Moses doing those judgment miracles. It was Jesus, the Christ in him. And we know that because 1 Peter 1, verse 10, 11 says that all the Old Testament prophets search diligently into the grace that should come to us. Search diligently into the grace that should come to us searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them, capital S. Christ is that Spirit. He is God. So that means in Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, minor prophets all the way to Malachi, all spake by the Spirit of Christ that was in them. It was not Moses doing that. It was Christ in Moses. It was uh, the Lord Jesus through Moses. And they're doing judgment miracles. The same the body of Christ will do as Moses did in the Old Testament in the former days under the Old Testament. The same whenever they came down on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples asked the Lord Jesus, why the disciples of John say that Elijah must must first come? They didn't understand that. And Jesus stated, yes, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. The restitution has to happen because the heavens must retain Jesus until that time. All truth. Until the times of the restitution or restoration of all things, Acts 3.21. Well, Jesus said, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things, all things of faith. Then he said, Elijah has already come, if you will receive it. This they understood. He spake to them of John the Baptist. But John the Baptist did not do any miracles. Why? Because he is the forerunner of the suffering Messiah, Hamashiach bin Yosef. Joseph, the suffering Messiah, type of the suffering Messiah. But the, Israel is looking for their 
Hamashiach ben David, the one that will never die. And that one will be forerun by Elijah also. Jesus stated it. And Matthew 17, Mark 8, he did the same thing. He said, Elijah will truly must first come and restore all things. There's a restoration. And he said, this Elijah, there, but the first one in John the Baptist, they asked John the Baptist point blank, are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. But Jesus said he's in the spirit of Elijah. But he did not do many miracles. Well, John, in the last days, the body of Christ, that beloved disciple, one, one body, John, the beloved disciple, in the spirit of Elijah, will forerun Jesus' second coming. And he will do that in tabernacle. It will be there going on to perfection not laying again the foundation of faith toward God, repentance from dead works, the doctrine of baptism, laying on of the hands, resurrection, eternal judgment. This will we do if God permit. Let us go on into perfection. Hebrews 6. So we must go on. We can't stay on one verse in a church and expect that God is going to literally catch us up with him and enter into the kingdom of heaven when we haven't done the will of God. And he states that in Matthew 7. Not all that saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Because you did not do the will of God. Then they begin to profess unto Jesus. Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. Jesus will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, lawlessness. You weren't led of the Spirit of God. It means the led of the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. But you didn't. You might have had the Holy Ghost, but you didn't listen to it. You didn't do the will of God. You didn't work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, according to the will of God. So you work out your own salvation, not the plan of salvation. There's only one plan. That's Jesus shed blood. No other way. But obedience is required unto righteousness in order to be saved in holiness, which is Romans 6. Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure, not of ours. So Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. I'm afraid we have a crossless Christianity in most Protestant churches. Why? Because we don't want to suffer with him. If we don't suffer with him, we will not reign with him. And why suffer? Because... You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. Why? Because that's mine being you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Why? In 1 Peter 4, verse 1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, be therefore likewise minded. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Why? Because in that sanctification process of the Holy Ghost, you have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. What flesh? The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. So we must come out of the world. For whosoever doeth the will of God shall abide forever. We have to do the will of God. Now, the trumpets are a gathering. God's calling his body into one now. 
Now, we've had over 9,000 downloads on the podcast. We've had uh, several in Africa, India, that say we want to be, and we want to meet you, and we want to be one when we are, and we've met you. Now, in America, we had 75% of those in America alone, in the United States of America, but you haven't contacted us. Why? Maybe it's because you're intimidated. Maybe because you're scared of change. Maybe because you're not, you may have questions. And if you do, please ask those questions. We'll be glad to answer them. But those that are going to be used of God will come into one. And that's the reason on the 19th of January, 2019, we had a visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ after preaching the Messiah Tribal Church in Transamerica, Kenya, Africa, saying, seal my people by my word as I am sending the angel from the east. Having the seal of the living God, so send I you. It's in action now. So it's imperative, essential, that the body of Christ comes together. And it will turn the hearts of the fathers. That is that restoration ministry of Elijah to the children, to, and the children to the fathers. God said, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. We must obey God. We must come into one with one mind and one accord, not holding on to church traditional doctrine that you're saved and that's it. There's no higher glory for you. Now, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power might be gotten out of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit. Jesus, the man, now has been made a quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Stand there in the liberty wherein Christ has made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't build those things again, which were destroyed, yes, we, lest we become a transgressor. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. I know we sing through a glass darkly now. And But now that light is progressing. Then we will see plainly that the Lord Jesus Christ in the work of the ministry, that strange work that he's going to do and bring to pass his act, his strange act, will be revealed perfectly to those that have a mind and will receive it, the mind of Christ. There is that manna, that hidden manna, that God has given to us now. That is that white stone wherein is a new name written that he only knows that receives it. God is doing that now to those that have an ear to hear for this high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God's dealing with you. Give us a call. If you have questions, ask the questions. We'll be glad to answer them. If God's dealing with you, let's meet and come into one because there is one body. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's above all, Father of us all, and in us all that will work this work of the ministry. In the last days, there will be people trying to disturb it that will try to come against it, try to destroy it, kill, kill, steal, and destroy that faith. But it's impossible. For those that know their God will be strong and do exploits. So the trumpets calling are going now. The Feast of Trumpets, the shofar, is soon to hit. And it will be for a time, times dividing of a time, three and a half years, 42 months of the Jesus ministry. It will be the last trumpet call 
for the earth. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood or considered their latter end to the law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and to the testimony, the testimony of Jesus. If any speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them, not some light, no light. You see, with Jesus, it's all or nothing. Take heed how you're here with the same measure you meet with all, you'll be measured to you again. To him that hath shall be given, he'll have the more. To how much is given, much is required. But him that hath not, the word comes to you and say, no, I don't believe it, will be taken away even that which he has. Let us take heed how we hear. So the trumpets are for the gathering. God's gathering his people now. The, the silver trumpets are blowing. And it's an alarm when you blow an alarm. And it's for the journey of the camps. First, the east of the camp go out first. Then you blow again with one trumpet. Then the south camp goes. Every man in his own order, his own battle arrangement. 1 Corinthians 15. Christ the first fruits, and afterward, those that are Christ at his coming. That's what he's doing now. He's gathering his people together for the work of the ministry that will preach this everlasting gospel to all the world for witness in all nations, then the end will come. It's a profound truth. It is a radical change from Pentecost. So now the silver trumpets are for the gathering of the congregation of God, the church, into the unity of the faith, to the edifying of the body of Christ. There also for the alarm, the alarm of war, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain, cry alas, alas for the day, the day of the Lord cometh. We're having that right now. The bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. There's five wise and five foolish virgins. That sound is going out now. The trumpet sound. What is that? Well, there are ten virgins. All of them are unspotted from the world. The only difference is there are five wise and the others are five foolish virgins. The five wise virgins have oil for their lamp. That is the word of God. The revelation of the word of God in truth. They've gone into all truth. They have oil for the lamp. And the foolish virgins did not have enough oil. They had some oil. They had some truth. But we've got to go into all truth. And they're called foolish virgins. So when the bridegroom came, and he is certainly coming, before then, right now, we're preparing for that oil and the lamp. Right now, that trumpet call is gathering that people Right there, that after we've received the word of God in present truth, we're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until we receive the promised possession. That's what he's doing right now. So we need the body of Christ to come together. We need to hear from you. You can message us. You can write us. We'll give you that at the end of the podcast. But it's essential. It is necessary. What must happen? There we must have this faith that was once delivered to the saints. And the Lord is confirming that word with signs, divers, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his will, confirming in word. And right now is the time. Now is the acceptable time. Now is that day of salvation. That's present truth coming when we must receive it. So the gathering of that body into the unity of the faith, edifying of itself, in love, that unity of the faith is now until that 
to the knowledge of the Son of God. That's epigonosco. Somebody said, well, the knowledge of the Son of God. I know who the Son of God is. He's the Father revealed in the days of his flesh. True. But that's not enough. It's not gnosko, that's knowing Jesus after the Spirit, not after the flesh. But it's epigonosco. That is a higher glory. It's coming to what? Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Everything that God is, that same glory, John 17, that he said, Father, you've given to me in the days of his flesh, that same glory give unto them. The same glory. And that glory will be revealed in and through the body of Christ to those that have an ear to hear. Well, the silver trumpets are blowing to gather, number one, the congregation to one. Number two, for that alarm of war, the five wise virgins to get that oil for the lamp. And three, for the journeys of the camp and over the sacrifices. Well, what sacrifice? You present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for us is each individual member. You have the body compacted together, whichever joint supplies. God's putting the bone to bone now. And the joint, when we join together, is where we have the breakthrough. Join together is in the unity of the faith through the edifying of itself in love. It's only when the joint, the bone, each individual member joins with the true body of Christ, not denominations. Dominations, denominations are barriers. They're, they're heresies. But God will break down every denominational wall as only God can do. It'll be the work that will be so profound, so great a thing that God will do, that no more will they say, blessed be the Lord God, which brought up his people out of the land of Egypt, and how great that was. But yea, rather, blessed be the Lord God that brought up his people out of the land of the north, south, east, and west, whithersoever he had driven them. And after God has accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, the people of God, all these things shall be finished. That'll be after a time, times, the dividing of a time, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,203 score days of the Jesus ministry to those that have an ear. Now, there is another shofar. That shofar now it's, that we see was first blown on Sinai by the Lord himself. He is the voice of God. He is that shofar. He is that sounding long trumpet that will sound louder and louder, crescendoing, accelerating, becoming louder and louder to where we cannot miss the voice of God. The sheep know my voice, a stranger they will not follow. We find that in Leviticus 16, if you'd like to mark it in your Bible. It says there in verse 20, and... When, that is, uh, he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm in Leviticus 16. I want 19 uh, there. On, uh, that's uh, the Day of Atonement. We're coming into that Feast of Trumpets of the Shofar. And God himself is the one that blows that. You see there on that uh, uh, Mount of uh, Sinai, when he is literally shaking the earth uh, with the Lord descending upon Mount Sinai. And you'll see that in Exodus 19. 
I said Leviticus 19, I'm sorry, Exodus 19. And we'll find that in verse 16. It came to pass on the third day. Now, that's important on the third day. That's another thing we need to know. Because it's in the third day, I'll raise you up and you'll live in my sight. We're not in the second day. We're in the third day now. Somebody said, what is the third day? Well, a day of the Lord is that's a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Well, it's been 2,000 years since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the Pentecostal reign of the Holy Ghost given in the church age, in the age and dispensation of grace. Now we're coming to the time of the end of this age as it's been crescendoing, getting louder and louder, accelerating in that shofar trumpet. And that is preparing for war. It is for that day of the Lord God Almighty that will come as a destruction upon all the people. And the wicked will be ashes under the righteous feet. Now, with that said, we're in Exodus 19 on the Mount Sinai with the first shofar. That is literally the Lord God's his voice as a trumpet himself on Mount Sinai. And he says, came to pass on the third day in the morning because in Hosea 6 it says come and let us return to the Lord well somebody said we're already at the Lord well we got a Trinity God a God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost which is no such thing as God the Son it's the Son of God which is the Father revealed and there's a reason it says Son of God rather than God the Son and if you hadn't heard that podcast please get it and you can understand the teaching on that. There's not a trinity. There's not a binary two-ness. And there's not a oneness where the man is sitting as Anthropos at the right hand of God because he is overcome and set, S-E-T, not set, S-I-T, but set, S-E-T, settled glory, set down with the Father in his throne, Revelation 3.21. Well, then what's the right hand? That's dexios, an exaltation. Not a physical right hand of car. It's dexios. And those that know their God understand that. That the Lord Jesus is that spirit. He is that father. He is the word. He is the Holy Ghost. That's righteousness. John 16. I'll show you plainly the father. And now you'll ask in my name. And I say not that I'll pray the father for you. For all the father's given is given unto me. Father's love me and given all to me. He's glorified by the father's own self. He put off the glory, become a man, took it all back on again, made both Lord and Christ, Acts 2.36. Now, if that, if that has questions for you, please go to the podcast on that revelation of Christ. Now, with that said, it's in the third day that he said, I'll raise you up. We've been in the, during that 2,000 years. After that second day, I'll, I'll revive you. We've had many revivals, wonderful moves of God. But there's a final consummation in the last great reign of his strength, the final reign of the Holy Ghost. And he said, because you have left this knowledge of who the, who the one God is, you have left that first commandment, which is greater than all in Mark 12, 29. The scribe asked Jesus, what's the dominant, what's the first commandment of all? And he said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But we viewed out three, two, or a oneness where the man's not God, but he's got God in him. 
No, the man is God. And because we've missed that mark, God's doing a work because when judgments in the earth, men will learn righteousness, who God is. And that's by faith. And he will reveal it by judgments. And when that is in, he said, I have torn you. I will heal you. I have smitten you. I will bind you up. Who did? Not the devil, God himself, the chastening rod of God, so that we will not be condemned with the world, giving us a true revelation, pure revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the reason the last book in your Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave in him to show unto the true servants of God things which must shortly come to pass. The things are the things of faith. It's the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Well, without it, we cannot understand the words of the book of this prophecy and therefore will not be able to overcome. We must, we must come into this faith. And it's not Pentecost. That's wonderful it is. Acts 2.38 gets you in. Born of the water and the spirit. That's just the beginning of it. It's certainly not the latter end. It's not the latter last reign because it's a radical new change. Totally radical new change. Totally profound from Pentecost. And we'll see that in the Feast of Trumpets that God said at this time, after that, I tore you, I'll heal you. It's a chastening rod of God because you've left your first You don't know the revelation of Jesus. You think you did, but we, find, we have found and followed a cunningly devised fables from ecumenical councils from back in 325 A.D., 451 A.D., in the Council of uh, the Chalcedonian Definition, the Council of Chalcedon. These ecumenical councils telling ecumenical councils councils telling us that Jesus is a Trinity and he's the second part of the Godhead, which is a lie. He was not begotten according to his Godhead as the Son of God before the foundation of the world. That's nonsense. Well, for us to understand that God's doing this work of judgment to bring us back into the true revelation. Come and let us return to the Lord. For he hath torn. He will heal us. Why? Because we've got to return to him. He has smitten. He will bind us up. He's the one doing it, not the devil. After the second day, he will revive us. We've had many revivals. We're in the third day now. And in that third day, I will raise you up and you will live in my sight. In the sight, yes, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure in earthen vessels that they have concealed the power of my babe God, not herself. We all with open face now are beholding in a glass the glory, not something less, the glory of the Lord. We're changed into the exact same image from glory to glory. Second Corinthians 3, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's your sealing with the Holy Ghost, with the Spirit of God, with that Holy Spirit of promise until we receive the promised possession. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, your vile body being fashioned like in his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. The whole creation moaning and growing in pain to be delivered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. The manifested sons of God. But not only they, but we also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, do groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. What is that? To wit, the redemption of our bodies. We're redeemed now, but we have to be redeemed in our body, the resurrection. A change in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 
at the last trump, the last voice, the last trump of God. That last trump of God is that shofar. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. There's the trump of God. Well, where did the trump of God first sound? On Sinai. That's the reason by my name Jehovah was I not made known unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as I made it known unto you, Moses, Isaiah, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, in, in, in Exodus 6. Why? Jehovah, the Tetragrammaton, Yodha-Waha, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jehovah. Why? Because it's got a bad in it. He wants to be known among his people. And he gives Moses a law. But on that Pentecost, on their time at Sinai, 50 days after crossing that Red Sea, there at Mount Sinai, there's only an 11-day journey to the crossing of Jordan and uh, that uh, uh, wilderness journey of being on 11 days turns out to be 40. And at that time, on their Pentecost, 50 days after they'd come out of Egypt, they received the law in Exodus 20. And we see here in Exodus 19 that God descends upon that Mount Sinai and we hear that voice. We hear that trumpet. It's literally the fire is on that mountain. Now the Holy Ghost fire, God himself has descended on that mountain. Let's read it. It says in Exodus 19, verse 16, it came to pass on the third day in the morning. Why? Because in that third day, I'll raise you up. You'll live in my sight. You're going to see. They saw that mountain burn with fire. They heard the voice of God. Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That was their Pentecost. And it was in the morning. Why? If we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. He will come to us as the rain, the former and the latter, not the rapture. There will be a rapture, but not before all things. All things are restored. All truth is restored to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in the body of Christ. Therefore, in the morning, they heard that voice of God. It was in the morning that he said, his going forth is prepared as the morning. He will come to us. There is a former and latter rain. We've had the former rain, Acts 2. Now we're coming into the Feast of Trumpets. We're coming into that time of the ministry voice of God for those that have an ear to hear. And only those will be the ones used in that last day. And it says there, and in that morning there were thunders, thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled, trembled at the voice of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. We're going to see that in the final charity, where we will know, even as we're known of him, where we've been children for a long time, was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, the child knows that the Lord Jesus is the Father, They've known the Father. They are what sins are forgiven for his name's sake. 
but now they're growing into a full man. And Paul stated, in that charity coming unto perfection, when as a child, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things, the things of faith that only a child deals with. Now we're going into the full faith, the full grown Jesus Christ. It is a profound growth. It is a profound change. And he said, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, Shekinah glory, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, not water. He destroyed the earth there in the days of Noah with water. But now it's reserved against the day of judgment by fire. But before then, he turns his ministers into a flame of fire. This trumpet voice will go out one more time and to all the world for witness in all nations, then the end will come. It's the last call in the voice trump of God for the body, for the world to repent and come into the body of Christ. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, it's crescendoing. It's becoming, accelerating louder and louder. And as it is, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. There is the Moses that we will remember and come into that as the spirit of Moses upon us, the body of Christ. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai, on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. This is the man-child going up in Revelation 12 to God and to his throne. There is not a rapture because two wings of an eagle are given to the woman, the church, where she flieth into the wilderness. There's your flight in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, because then will be a time of great tribulation. Well, during that time, there's two wings of a great eagle given to us, the woman, where she flieth into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God. We didn't do it. God did it. Where we're nourished from the face of the serpent, that face of these enticing spirits, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, that's his face. But we're in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, we're with open face, beholders in the glass, the glory of the Lord. We're in the face of Jesus and God shown his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. There's where we are. It is the last great reign of his strength coming into all truth, and there we find in Hebrews 12 that that time that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, that God then shook the earth, but there's coming a greater time, a much higher glory, a greater revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, he will save the look, yet the Lord hath promised, yet once more, he shakes not only the earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed. What? There's a shaking going on among the nations, Amos 9-9. And not the least grain will fall to the ground. God will lose none of his but I'll destroy all the sinners of my people. Amos 9.10, which say no evil shall come upon us or overtake us. What? 
No tribulation on us. No birth pains on us. We said a queen, we are no widow. We're not going to have any birth pains. We've already got it. God said, I'll destroy all the sins of my people by the sword, the word of God, and say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. We have to know the truth. Otherwise, we will not be able to stand. And it's only through the word that after we receive this word, we were sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise. There, he said that all that can be shaken may be removed. I remove it. All things that are man-made as the things that are made. Every man-made doctrine will be removed. Every doctrine that has been against the true God Almighty Jesus Christ and his work, that strange work and his act is strange act, will be removed. So then, that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. That's the remnant of our seed that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. We are there. Blessed the Holy Seed that waiteth and cometh through the thousand three and five and thirty days. Why? Because they're remaining at the Lord's coming. We shall not all, it's a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. A twinkling of an eye, the twinkling of an eye is an aim. That is the eye of revelation, twinkling of an eye at the last trump. We have to know what that is. And the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. God's doing it now. Well, that shofar is blown up on, from, on the Feast of Trumpets. It will last in the voice of the Lord Jesus for exactly three and a half years, 42 months, a time, times a half, as we see in Moses and Elijah in the Jesus ministry in Revelation 11. It's a strange new thing. It's a radical new change. And a body of Christ are the ones that's going to be used the body is the one. And the members in particular will be the ones used in the work of the ministry. So the Feast of Trumpets. The shofar is blown only on the Feast of Trumpets. That Rosh Hashanah. That new year and the new thing. And when Rosh Hashanah is brought in, because it is a new nation, it is a new moon, that it is tied to that. That, that first day of that seventh month, is a feast of blowing of the trumpets. But you have to have two witnesses because they, that new moon has to be literally settled by two witnesses. And by doing so, that sets the date. And it's a 10 days of all. It's a 10 days of introspection. That's the reason why in Revelation, you'll see that some of you will be thrown into prison for 10 days. You will be afflicted for 10 days. That is, that's the Feast of Trumpet. That's the Rosh Hashanah. That is the alarm of war. That is the time of the Feast of Trumpets. It's a time of introspection. Be you faithful of the death. I'll give you a crown of life. Well, there we are. Sealing our testimony with our own blood. Right? Blessed are they that die, saith the Lord saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. I saw under the fifth seal, souls of them were slain for the word of God, the testimony which they held, which had not received that mark of the beast. And it says there, they said, Lord, how long, O Lord, 
holy and true. Will it be before you avenge our blood upon them that dwell on the earth? When are you going to avenge our blood? White robes of righteousness were given to each one of them. These are spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews 12. Set until, until your brethren and your fellow servants, the body of Christ, should be killed as you were, should be fulfilled. There's your fifth seal. And what's the faith? Patience of the saints. He that leaveth into captivity shall go into captivity. Because that Antichrist will wear out the patience of the saints. What? For 42 months, times, times and a half, three and a half years. He cast truth to the ground. He can't destroy it. Cast down, but not destroyed. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Forsaken. Always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. He cast truth to the ground. He doesn't destroy it. And here's the faith and patience of the saints. Here's the faith. You've got to have it. We have to know it. That he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with a sword must be killed by the sword. There's the faith and patience of the saints. We know this work of God. We love not our lives unto the death. And those are the ones that will be God's, uh, his royal diadems in the day he makes it up. God's doing it now. All through there, and we'll go through uh, next podcast, Revelation 8, and go on with the trumpets, and we'll take the Joshua 7 days of the blowing of trumpets and put that along with Revelation 8, and you'll see the comparison and the type and shadow there of what we will see in the last days, and the walls of Jericho will fall down. All that's in the world we will take. Now it's come the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And we will reign and rule with Christ as kings and priests in the earth for a thousand years. God's preparing that body now into one. The trumpet blowing is now and the silver trumpets are gathering together of the congregation and the body of Christ into one man, into one, one man, one accord. In the unity of the faith, speaking the same things. It's not denominations. God's never used a denomination, never will. He uses people that will hear his voice. And those that will step out in faith are the ones that will make up, make up his ground. Let's make sure that we hear the voice of God and obey it, that we will not hear that frightful words, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. Well, if it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost has bore witness with your spirit. We'd love to hear from you. If you will, write me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or, if you have questions, you can contact us over the website, and we will get back to you. Or you can message us if you'd like to be one with us, and we would like to meet you. Know them the labor among us. And we'd like to meet you and you with us. Bind together in the unity of the faith. Simply go to sealinggodspeople.com. Again, sealinggodspeople.com or dennisbeard.org. And we thank you for your prayerful support and those of you and your generous, generous offerings. And we want to thank you there because it's by those offerings that we're able to keep the podcast on the air uh, going to the various nations there. Um, we thank you, Father. We always pray over the offerings. They will manifest that seed back, multiply the seed back 
to you, some 30, 60, 100 fold, that you'll be literally able to every good work and multiply uh, that seed sown to you that you will supply and supplies the wants of the saints, not just the needs, but the wants, and that ministry of giving and receiving. We thank you so much. Well, until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.